Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in my hometown, Chicago, with a different special guest every week. Y'all, we made it to the last episode of the first season. This is the 12th and final episode that'll feature Chicago. So I wanted to invite someone extremely close to me to discuss one of the most infamous and iconic stories to have come from my favorite city. She is a dancer, a choreographer, and if you have any cybersecurity questions, she'll <laughs> she's got you. <laughs> my cousin Hannah Hacksmith. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank I'm you honored. For being here. How are you? I'm good. I'm honestly so pumped like even if i didn't have this coffee i would be (laughs) bouncing off the walls so excited to discuss this with you we have a cold brew by the mounds coming in and we will not stop at one i have at least six cups a day so that's amazing (laughs) i love it how would you describe a ghost the way i see ghosts are um their energies of people that they've left behind after um, after they've died. So some are are kind of softer energies. You can kind of like feel them more um, opposed to the stronger energies where you actually get to see or they they touch or something right, right, like right. that. So I I really think it's kind of their essence right that they leave behind. So there's a scale. Yeah, a there's s- definitely a ghost <laughs> scale. Obviously, you believe in ghosts. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Not a question. Well, do you know many Chicago ghost stories? I I know the other half of your podcast, The Crime. I went on a Chicago crime tour one year, and it was so fun. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so you, like, they load you up onto a bus, and then you go around. So a lot of the um, mob stories that you told in the previous episodes, Mm -hmm. I got to see those locations on this tour. They, like, take you around to, like, where Dillinger was murdered. Um, And then they also do some other um, stops, like the... The Walgreens that was the Chicago Tylenol murders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that like changed the whole face of pharmaceuticals. I'm obsessed with that story. Yes. Obsessed. <laughs> Same. So interesting. Um, I guess for those that don't know on listening, yeah. um, they somebody went around and put cyanide pills in Tylenol and killed like seven people. And no one knows who did it. Yeah. To this day, nobody has fessed up. It's wild. Absolutely. Stay vigilant out there. Sorry, I'm off topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a true crime paranormal. I mean, who knows if there's ghosts related to that? Yeah. Maybe the people who died from that scandal still haunt their house that they died in. We should look that up. We'll get into that. <laughs> Stay tuned for post-episode Exactly. Content. Hannah, are you ready for H.H. Holmes and his murder castle? Yes, so ready. So I'm 
I assume you know of H.H. H. Holmes and his whole thing. Yeah, have you read the book Devil in the White City? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I read that, so I'm not an expert, of course, <laughs> and it was a while ago, but I feel like I've got some of the facts still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we start, I want to say that this is a huge and extremely complicated story. So if you want more details, I definitely urge you to read Adam Seltzer's book, H.H. Holmes, How a Murderer Became a Devil, because it is packed full of details that I just don't have the time to cover here. But with that being said, let's go back to January 1893. An actress from Texas, Minnie Williams, moves to Chicago and becomes a stenographer for the Campbell Yates Company. She's an orphan who, after her parents died, moved in with her uncle, Whoa, that I'm like, hunky uncle. I'm like on it today. I cannot. Okay, let's <laughs> have start some over. more coffee. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> She's an orphan who, after her parents died, moved in with her uncle before going to college. Her younger sister, Nanny, lived elsewhere after her parents died and didn't reconnect with Minnie until she was a teenager. Their younger brother ended up in Colorado, but unfortunately died at work. Okay. By spring of 1893, Minnie sends letters to her sister saying that she married a Henry Gordon, who was a wealthy man in Chicago. In June, Nanny arrives in Chicago to visit the World's Fair and take a trip to Europe with Minnie and Henry after she arrives. When Nanny arrives, the three stay in an apartment in Lincoln Park Minnie and Henry recently purchased. Nanny writes to her aunt in Texas that she loves Chicago. I mean, at that point, who wouldn't? Especially during the World's Fair. Like, there's so much going on. For July 4th, Minnie takes a trip to Milwaukee. So Henry and Nanny spend the day at the World's Fair together, riding the Ferris wheel, having dinner, etc. That is the last day Nanny was ever seen. Dun, dun, dun. Minnie disappears the following day after returning from her trip. Wow. So that's probably... Minnie Williams is probably the most well-known of well-known victims, I should say, of H.H. Holmes. But now for some background on Henry Gordon, or as we know him, H.H. Holmes, you'll also come to find out that Holmes has like a million aliases. He's always going by a different name. But his birth name is Herman Webster Mugget. Mudget? I can see why he changed it. Yeah, H.H. Holmes is a little... uh, Cooler? Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Herman Webster Mudgett was born the third child of five in New Hampshire. At age 16, he graduated from an academy and began teaching nearby nearby towns. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be teaching at 16. What did he teach? I think just like... Everything? Like elementary school style, you know not murder right (laughs) not yet cool (laughs) on july 4th 1878 he married clara lovering loverly these names got me fucked up today he married clara lovering that's a mouthful yes and two years later had a son robert lovering mudge mudget at 18 herman enrolled at the university of vermont but after a year, transferred to University of Michigan to study medicine and surgery. While enrolled, he worked at the university's... An- an- You're right, I need more coffee. This is driving me insane. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Drink, drink, drink. While enrolled, he worked at the university's anatomy lab. Before graduating, Clara left and moved back home and didn't see much of him after because Herman's housemates accused him of being violent towards Clara. Hmm. So I'm glad she left and went back home. Red flags She doesn't need that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I said when... Like, uh... Experts on serial killers Mm -hmm. talk about growing up and what you look for when you're growing up. Domestic violence is absolutely one of those. Yeah, who who didn't put him in all on a list already? (laughs) I don't know when. I mean, obviously the term serial killer wasn't coined yet. Right. Also, H. H. Holmes is known as one of the first serial killers. So, I guess we're learning a lot from him and his growing up. But I don't. It's not confirmed but there have been like accounts of him like again torturing animals when he was young and stuff like that Jeez, which is another huge sign of serial killers but we don't know if that actually happened because again it's the 1800s there aren't records of great records of yeah all of it but he passed his exams and graduated and moved to Philadelphia and worked as a keeper at a state hospital Though he didn't like it, so he quickly quit and took a position at a drugstore. Wait, what's a keeper? You know what? Excellent question. Like a zookeeper. <laughs> Medical housekeeper. Okay, so like a maid? Yeah. Okay. So I don't blame him for not liking it. I wouldn't like that job either. Cleaning especially if you pee and vomit. Exactly, and especially when you have a degree in medicine and surgery, like that's not something you want to do. That's a no for me. (laughs) Yeah. So he moved to a drugstore uh, in Philadelphia. While he was working there, a boy died after taking medication from the store. Obviously, he denied any involvement, and there's no proof that he had any hand in it. But he immediately left the city and moved to Chicago, where he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, H.H. Holmes. What an alliteration. Yes. So he went from Herman Webster Mudgett to Henry Howard Holmes. Guess he likes H's. <laughs> Immediately after moving to Chicago, Holmes married Myrta Belknap and had a daughter three years later named Lucy. In 1886, when he first arrived in Chicago, Holmes approached a drugstore in Englewood, Chicago, owned by Dr. Elizabeth S. Holton, who is a Michigan U alum, so that's kind of how... Okay. It wasn't like he was walking down the street and they for higher sign in the window type. It was like they kind of... It's had, not that sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> had some kind of idea of each other. She gave Holmes a job and eventually he purchased the drugstore from her. And in 1886, Holmes purchased an empty lot across the street from the drugstore and began construction on a multi-purpose building with apartments on the second floor and retail on the first, including a new drugstore eventually referred to as The Castle. Hmm. Because it was huge. It was like, it took up a whole city block. It was That's massive. crazy. In 1888, Holmes was sued by the construction company for not paying them for their work. Fair. Yeah, I would be mad. <laughs> this is just one example of his fraudulent tendency- tendencies. Like, that's his thing. 
He was known for pocketing money and not paying for goods and services. And he had over 60 lawsuits in Chicago. Wow. And within those 60 lawsuits, there are more lawsuits. And and what span of time is like 60 lawsuits? That just, that boggles my mind. 60 lawsuits since from like when he started construction at like 1887 to like 1894. So seven years, 60 plus lawsuits. That's like a lot. (laughs) Who does that? Okay. It's too many. Nobody, if you have one, okay, everyone goes through it, but And how has, like, how have they let this go? See, that's the biggest issue about this whole story is that, and I think this is where his aliases play in, Mm. you know, come in hand, because he should have never been able to take out more loans for anything. Right. But he would be, he would take out loans and then use those loans to pay people who he owed money to. So then it'd be kind of like, well, this person owes that person money now because mm. I passed that on to them. And it just became like this huge, you know, scheme. And it okay. never, once you're in it, you can't get out of it unless you have tons of money to pay your way out of it, which he obviously just did. Just a way of life after that. <laughs> yeah. By the time of his death, many of these lawsuits were still being decided in the courts. So, none of them were really, like, handled. (laughs) Cool. He also got away with or had the lawsuits drawn out by using aliases and having the castle in his mother-in-law's name. So, any debt was in her name. Mm. So, he also pulled that um, numerous times. Like, any building, apartment, business he started, they were never in H.H. Holmes. I'm sure his mother-in-law loved him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you really want to piss off your (laughs) mother-in-law, give her debt. And in 1892, he added a third floor to the castle, which he planned on using as a hotel for the upcoming World's Fair. However, the third floor was never entirely finished or even used as a hotel, really. An investor checked the building after not getting paid and found that homes had hidden materials and supplies owned by the building company in secret passages. So, a lot of, like, rumors about the castle kind of get out of hand <laughs> after 100, you know, after 100 years. It's sure. like, of course. There absolutely were secret passages in this building. And I don't know if it was, like, designed... I don't think it was designed for murdering. It was, A, a combination of, like, him hiring and firing a bunch of people so then you have like weird hallways that don't really fit well together or stairways you know Mm -hmm. but then he also did things to like modernize buildings so like the stairway from like the drugstore up to the his where he stayed above the drugstore it was like a pull down stairs okay so i don't think he was trying to hide it it was just like to have the stairs not in the way type of deal, you know? Yeah. And then he definitely had secret passages where he, like, hid all the, like, furnishings and materials and stuff so he didn't have to pay for them. And when people came looking, they were like, but you bought it. And he's like, but I don't have it. So there definitely were, you know, false walls. There's, like, a hidden area between the first and second floor 
that like he hid mattresses and stuff in so that kind of thing this building isn't still around is it no okay unfortunately that would have been a really cool museum yes <laughs> it absolutely would rebuild please i <laughs> and a haunted house that'd be great oh for sure the newspapers got a hold of the lawsuit and investigation and the story obviously blew up at this point holmes is just a very charming con artist he hasn't murdered murdered anybody he's just make pocketing money and screwing people over he had been getting away with this shit for years he started multiple business ventures there was a glass bending business there was a copier business and the list goes on and on but they obviously didn't go anywhere, and it's hard to decipher if he actually intended on these businesses to do well, or if they were just set up for money and used as, like, a larger con. His hobbies? Yeah. It's like, you know, this <laughs> week I'm going to do glass blowing. That sounds so interesting. Right? I mean, he, there were always, like, people saw him carrying furnaces in and out of places all the time. So it is rumored that eventually the place where he did the like glass blowing, glass bending and stuff like that were where bodies were disintegrated. Makes sense. Right. I mean, it's a good cover. Oh, no, absolutely. No, no, that's just my glass blowing. Please be careful. <laughs> exactly. I need these for my glass. Yes. Not for bodies. Look at this beautiful orb I made. <laughs> so we will never know the exact number of murders Holmes committed since he confessed to 27 but some of those people were still alive when he confessed. What? So he was just a compulsive liar. One of... Okay, so I'm going to get in some of these murders and, like, the murders that we absolutely know for sure happened. Cool. Because there were only four bodies found because he was known for, again, disintegrating, dismembering, etc. Didn't, didn't he have, like, a shoot for the bodies. See, I don't know because I couldn't factually find anything that okay. backed that up. That's fair. That could be a rumor. <laughs> I want it to be fact, though. I want it to be fact. <laughs> because there is a police report, mm -hmm. like in a newspaper, when police finally investigated the building. They claimed to find floors that dropped out. They claimed to find airtight rooms that gas could be... Uh, injected into so they people would suffocate they like so hear me out this was the first saw <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much cool uh yeah so like these police claim to have seen all these things but again there's like no photos there's no sketches of photos there's no you know of course there's not that'd be too easy right so i i'm not gonna say no okay but take it with a grain of salt I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> well, there's also the rumor that he killed 200 people, which just... So many. It's not... There's no way 200 people can be proven that he killed, you know? Right. The only proven people we know are four people. And then there's like six more that everyone's pretty sure he murdered them as what well. What a difference in numbers, though. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we'll get into that. Okay. The first, one of the first murders was of a tenant's wife and Holmes's mistress, Julia Smith. Julia's husband, Ned Connor, worked for Holmes as a jeweler 
and later at the drugstore. Ned and Holmes became very close after the years of him working there, but eventually Ned moved out because the arguments between him and his wife became too big, and it was obviously money. I think he had some kind of clue that he was sleeping with his wife, you Mm. know? So he argued with his wife a lot and then eventually argued with Holmes and stuff, but he never stopped working with Holmes, though, so even down the line, even after he moved out and Julia stayed in the apartment with her child and was still seeing Holmes, Ned would still do odd jobs here and there with Holmes. That's you know, Holmes weird. is always coming up with some, like, I got a job for you. And it's always some cheesy, I just picture, like, a cheesy salesman. <laughs> but apparently he was super charming because everybody went along with all his bullshit, you know. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where it gets kind of wild for me. At this point, he had two wives <laughs> and two children and a mistress who also had a child. Okay. So he has, he's still married to Clara, who now is living back home in New Hampshire with her child. He married Merta. He's now married, he's now married to Merta and their daughter Lucy. And now he's sleeping with Julia and has, she has a daughter, Pearl. Is Pearl his daughter? No. Okay. It's Ned's daughter. Well, okay. That's one less. Yes. But it's just like a lot to keep track of. He had to have written this down in a giant family tree behind the wallpaper in one of his murder rooms. Yeah, he just has a whole book dedicated to... Like in Harry Potter with the Sirius Black family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. And he just it just gets more involved from there. On Christmas Eve, 1891, Julia and Pearl were never seen again. One witness claimed that she found a new man and they moved to California, while another said they were headed to Davenport for her sister's wedding. But Holmes at the time said they were going to her sister's funeral. Hmm. So there's all kind of... That's red flags in itself. Yes. The tenants who moved into the apartment after Julia and Pearl claimed that there were too many necessities left behind. Like, Julia left most of her clothes and toiletries and Pearl's clothes and her doll. Like, there was just too many things left behind for it to be like, you don't leave the doll behind. Right. You don't leave certain toiletries behind, you know, when you're going to a wedding or a funeral or whatever. That's Even if it's weird. like a long weekend, you know? Yeah. There's just things you don't leave behind. And the people who took the tour to move in there, who did move in there afterwards, were like, something's not quite right. Mm. But they did move in there. So they. Idiots. They didn't think much of it after that, I guess. But Holmes would later claim that Julia died during an abortion. Mm. that he tried to perform on her. Yikes. So they believe that Holmes got Julia pregnant and didn't want her to have the baby. And not only were abortions dangerous back then, but they were illegal. So Mm. I think that's that could very well be, you know. And then Pearl was just a bystander. So he's like, oh, you got to go. Right. That's the that's the extra little uh Okay, if she dies in, while trying to have an abortion, I get it, and you don't want to, like, divulge that, because then you could get arrested and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But then what's, where's Pearl? Where is Pearl? Why didn't Pearl? Why didn't Pearl go live with her father then? Yeah. Something is fishy. Sketch. <laughs> in May 1892, 
Holmes hired Emmeline Sigrand. Fancy. She had worked in a doctor's office who claimed to have cure for alcohol alcoholism. <laughs> so we all know how those treatments went. Wow, yeah. <laughs> she never lived at the castle, but it said she spent a considerable amount of time with Holmes at night. Though when her cousin visited, she told him that she was seeing a Mr. Phelps. No one had ever met this Mr. Phelps, and honestly, it was probably a cover name so that she didn't feel shame for sleeping with her boss. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But on December 6th, Emmeline expressed that she was going to visit her family in Indiana for Christmas, but she was never seen again. Hmm. Holmes told her friends in Chicago that she ran away with Mr. Robert Phelps and got married. Okay. <laughs> it's just like how many people are how many people are going to go missing before especially around this guy. Like Yeah. Something's not adding up. Thank goodness for tracking cell phones now. <laughs> the World's Fair was growing closer and closer and the third floor of the castle wasn't even close to being finished at this point. Holmes would steal furniture and would turn around and sell them or hide them within the castle. He did it so often that many companies filed lawsuits and began their own investigations. Where did he steal this furniture from? All these companies, he'd be like, I need to furnish my hotel Mm. that I'm building. And so these companies would either, he would take out loans for the furniture or he would pay for the furniture but then not return it not return it or sell it for a higher price or okay so for the people who he took out loans for they're like where's our money that makes a lot more sense i pictured him like trying to haul a couch out from somebody's (laughs) apartment yeah if there's one thing holmes i don't think holmes ever did any work that makes sense i think he could have saved a lot of money doing his own work but he's (laughs) like known for hiring all these people having them work for a week, and then firing them so we didn't have too much, like, overhead pay. (laughs) Incredible. Or just wouldn't pay them and be like, this beam's shorter than the one I'm not paying you. It voids our contract because it's one beam shorter. It's like... I'm surprised he didn't get murdered. Right. If I was one of those workers, I would have gone back there and be like, hey, buddy. (laughs) Let's pay people for goods and services. Yeah. Or at least trade goods and services. I don't think Holmes had anything to really to offer other than drugs. Which I guess could have been... He'd be a really good executioner. That's true. So there's more lawsuits now because of all the like furnishings he stole. One company bribed an employee of Holmes. So he ended up showing them the hidden rooms. And there was a hidden room behind wallpaper. Oh. Which is like my favorite, where like it looks like a like just a regular hall, mm-hmm. but if you tear back the little piece, there's a whole door behind it. They found many of their stolen objects, but it spurred them to look closer. They found the rest of their furniture in other hidden rooms, hallways, and spaces between floors, and this made papers, of course. And weeks before the fair, homes in his castle were plastered everywhere in Chicago. With his drugstore sold and his family living well met at this point, he slowly started dis- distancing himself from the castle, so he never spent a lot of time there after that. 
And this is when he met the lovely Minnie Williams, the woman I talked about at the beginning of the story. Ah, okay. The fascinating part of her story is that before she met Holmes, or as she called him Henry, she was known for having no interest in boys. Hmm. She kept to herself and was described as as a man-hater. So that coupled with the fact that there isn't a marriage record for her and Holmes, and she worked with Holmes frequently, and yet still called him Henry Gordon, and she went by Mrs. Gordon... And she technically owned the Wilmette house that Holmes's wife and child lived in. So remember when I said Holmes never put mm-hmm. his name on anything? The Wilmette house that he had built for his wife and kid are under Minnie Williams's name. That is weird. So really, for me, it makes me believe that Minnie Williams was in on everything just as much as Holmes was. Like, mm. she was using him for money and he was using her for money. And it got too complicated, and... Right. That damn sister of hers ruined <laughs> everything. Well, contractors for the Wilmet House was never paid for, of course. And when they went looking for Minnie Gordon, she was gone. And the apartment they lived in was empty. So, I don't know if Holmes was afraid that she would like out him mm. you know so Made he threats. Would, right or if this is what's interesting about Holmes what makes it kind of complicated is there are people who truly believe that Holmes didn't kill people because he liked to kill people he killed people kind of like in a gang sense where this will benefit me financially this will benefit me you know or they're they're coming for me I have to get rid of them that's an interesting way to look at it right so it is like uh well maybe the sister found one of the secret passageways that she wasn't supposed to see so he killed her and then her sister got back and was like what the heck did you do to my sister exactly and then it was just whoops I guess they're both gone and Holmes again is a compulsive liar so anytime he was questioned about it like after he was arrested Mm -hmm. it was like a lie after lie after lie or they'd be half truths or it may have been the truth but he said two other stories at that point so we don't know which is the truth you know she went to a wedding and a funeral two truths and a lie basically (laughs) like it was reading into it i'm like bud like can we just stick to one story even if it's the lie can we just stick to one story (laughs) Like, for Minnie, so, I don't know if everybody knows this, Holmes wrote an autobiography about his life. What? Before he died. (laughs) So you can go read that, too, if you'd like. But in it, he, uh, he said that when Minnie got back from her trip, he, she saw that only one bed in the apartment had been slept in. Mm. So she, she assumed that nanny her sister and Holmes slept together and she became enraged and killed her sister Ah. and then when Holmes came home he saw Minnie standing over nanny's body and he helped Minnie dispose of nanny and then Minnie like fled the country okay 
That's Holmes's story. Or he pushed her into the furnace. Or he pushed her into the furnace. <laughs> Who can like... tell? So, because, like, from here on out, he does refer to it as, like, Minnie still being alive. Okay. But I think it's just a way to con more people, you know? You'll never be able to find her. She used to exist. Yeah. So there's technically records of her, but you'll never be able to find her. Hmm. So any legal issue, good luck. Because, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But this is when Holmes plans a trip to Texas to cash in on Minnie's house she was left from her uncle. Okay. So... When I was mentioning earlier, Minnie and Nanny's younger brother, he died in Colorado. So there is a, I don't know if it was a life insurance policy or something like that, but they were rewarded money for their brother's passing, basically. But they had to go to Colorado to receive the money. And then she also owned her uncle's house in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, when he passed away. And anytime she needed money, she would, like, sell part of the house or part of the land it was on. But there was still, like, I think $10,000 worth still at that house. Jeez. So that's why, again, Holmes... So of course he needed to go there. Holmes, (laughs) money-hungry, as much as he is, was like, I need the money from Texas, so... Let me just scoop that up. (laughs) Easy easy pickings. (laughs) By the end of the fair in October... There were so many lawsuits and companies after him, he skipped town after falling, after failing to get money together. Surprise, surprise. He traveled to Denver, then to Texas, followed by St. Louis, then finally Philadelphia. The entire time, he wreaked havoc throughout these states using different aliases and different cons. And while away from Chicago, he married yet another woman. In 1894, Georgiana Yoke. These poor women. So now he's married to three women. Naturally. <laughs> just, I don't know if we don't believe in divorces. I don't know if... I I'm just, just telling you, he must be some sort of a hunk to be able to keep, <laughs> keep this going. He's that charming. Again, keeping track... And none of them knew. That's the other thing. So it's like keeping track of all of that. You're saying he didn't accidentally call one of his wives the other name? Like, <laughs> I, I call my husband the dog's name all the time and vice versa. <laughs> You're right. He must have slipped up. That coupled with the 60 plus lawsuits, coupled with the several businesses he's owned, coupled with the murders, coupled with the drugstore and the castle. I was like, I truly... When did he sleep? What's his IQ? He must be the most organized person ever to exist. Color-coded binders. That's the key, y'all. That is the key to success. Now, I'm going to talk about the man that was basically the collapse of H.H. Holmes. Benjamin Pitzel, Holmes' partner in crime. Really? Ben was a heavy drinker. And always found himself in trouble with the law. You mean he didn't cure alcoholism? He did not. He was not cured by alcohol from alcoholism. <laughs> ben Peitzel ended up in Chicago while on the run in 1888. 
He met Holmes in 1890 when they worked in the same building. In 1893, Ben fled to Indiana, where he was arrested for bad checks. While in prison, Holmes began paying on his life insurance. After he was released, he made his way to Texas, where he met up with Holmes. They took the money from Minnie's house and began building a second castle. And this is where, I don't know if the castle is still there, but potentially this is where we could have the Holmes Museum. In Texas? Yeah, because they built a second castle and it's a lookalike from the one in Chicago. Except it was slightly bigger. Right, because they had all the extra cash flow. Yeah, exactly. But this time, instead of staying with the castle in Texas, he skipped town. Okay. And so he saw it basically built and then was like, I'm done with this. Whether he was bored or like, right. He just left. He's following the binder steps by steps. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he just flipped it back to the beginning and said, here we go again. Part two. (laughs) They moved to St. Louis. He took up a new name, of course. Built a third castle. He didn't buy a third castle, but instead bought another drugstore. Darn it. (laughs) So close. However, this time St. Louis was quick to react. And the moment they saw any kind of fraud going on, they threw Holmes in jail. It's about time. It's about fucking time. A couple months later, Holmes was released because, I mean... For good behavior? I don't know how long you sit in jail in the 1800s for fraud. Probably longer than what they... uh... (laughs) He should have been in there longer than he was. I mean, from my understanding, it was like a summer. So it was like three months. A nice little summer camp away from Mm -hmm. home. Whether he got like bond or like he was just out on parole or what the case may be they just liked him he was released (laughs) like he seemed like a stand-up guy right he's charming i'm telling you once he was released though holmes and ben like immediately moved to philadelphia to pull their largest scheme yet the plan was to fake ben's death by using a convincing cadaver okay and collect his life insurance money holmes had set up when he was in jail when Ben was in jail. Holmes would then split the ten thousand dollars with his with Ben's wife Carrie and their children, and then Holmes would get a cut of it. Mm-hmm. However, once in Philly, it seems as if Ben didn't want to go through with the plan, so Holmes took it upon himself to murder his best friend Ben Peitzel. Of course, as you do. <laughs> the theory is that he got his friend drunk. As an alcoholic, I'm sure it wasn't very hard to do that. And when he was passed out, Holmes used chloroform chloroform to cut off the oxygen. Since there wasn't any sign of a struggle from Ben. Okay. So when they found his body, the police were like... If you're not going to fake your death, I guess we'll actually kill you. (laughs) Yeah, so I think Holmes chloroformed him after he was passed out. And then he literally poured chloroform down his throat and so when the coroner was looking at it they were saying that the chloroform didn't like soak into his body because he was already dead Mm. so a lot of people suspected foul play 
but couldn't prove it. So Holmes got... accidentally drink the chloroform bottle. Right. (laughs) Well, drink the chloroform bottle after you're dead. Right. (laughs) So Holmes kind of got lucky in the sense that the coroner and police and everything ended up causing calling it an accident i don't know how you accidentally <laughs> accidentally die like that but is they it with up, air quotes right exactly <laughs> i would love uh on coroner reports just everything in quotes this was a accident <laughs> <laughs> on september 3rd 1894 ben's body was discovered while Holmes was reaching Indianapolis on his way back to St. Louis. So Holmes wanted to get to St. Louis before Ben's death because that's where Ben's family was living. Okay. And he wanted to, like, talk to his wife and kids before the news came. But because the way Ben died and the way his body was discovered and everything, his accidental death, (laughs) quote-unquote... Ended up becoming, like, nationwide news. Okay. So the news reached St. Louis rather quickly, and his family ended up finding out. Though, at that time, they thought, oh, we're just going along with the scheme. My husband is supposed to die, you know? Yeah. They're supposed to fake his death. Not fake. Not fake. Right. Holmes is the only person that knows that that is actually Ben. Everybody else thinks it's... And there is proof that it is actually Ben? Yeah. And not? Okay. Yeah. So, none of this stopped Holmes' plan, of course, to collect the insurance money. He met with Carrie and convinced her to go along with his plan. Carrie and Ben's daughter, Alice, identified her father's body, and all parties split the insurance money. Mm. So now, Holmes and Alice know that that's actually been okay but nobody else knows at this point oh that poor alice yes now it was time to kill the rest of the peitzel family the theory is that holmes thought they knew too much you know of course so now he has to off the rest of the family which is four children four children five children five children and the wife Great. While in Indianapolis, Howard Peitzel, who was the third oldest, was murdered after Holmes poisoned him during dinner. And how old are the children at this time? Um, I want to say Howard was probably teens. Okay. And Alice was the oldest, and I believe she was like early 20s. Okay. And then the um, Nellie is somewhere between that. Okay. And then there was a younger kid and then a baby. That probably could be spared because I know nothing, but this is H.H. H. Holmes. Right. So. No chances can be taken. Yikes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he killed Howard by poisoning him during dinner. At least that's the thought. He then dismantled his body and burned it in a stove. However, he never cleaned the bone fragments out from the stove. Mm, rookie mistake. He did not have his binder with him. Yeah. Because that is a rookie mistake. That is rule number 10. Holmes then moved to Alice and her sister Nellie to Toronto, where he rented a house, poisoned the girls, 
and buried them in the cellar. So this is rookie mistake number two. This is the first time he's not dispo like he's not disintegrating the bodies, he's burying them. I feel like he's making this way too complicated. Yes. Like he had a system before. Yes. <laughs> I just okay. <laughs> After traveling around North America for months, Holmes was finally arrested in Boston for fraud relating to the insurance company suspected murders in Chicago and a stolen horse in Texas. Holmes told the authorities that Ben was still alive with his three kids hiding in South America because the idea is that he faked his own death, which is technically against the law. So he took his kids and ran. Hmm. That's Holmes's story to South America. No one believed his story. <laughs> they were all like, mm. Burned too many times by you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. On November 18th, 1894, Holmes became front page national news. So I am going to go, I'm going to, before we take a break, I'm going to talk really quickly about this moving around the Midwest, North America part, because it is wild to me. So during this entire time, so after Ben died, mm-hmm. Holmes carted around the three children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, mm-hmm. his new wife, Georgiana, and Ben's wife, Carrie, and the baby and her youngest. So the three of them. Jeez, okay. He traveled to, I think, like six different cities, if not more. With all of them at the same, generally at the same time, without anybody knowing that the other group was in the same city. How? Like, so, like, he would. It's a caravan, clearly. (laughs) So he would put the three Peitzel, the oldest Mm -hmm. three Peitzel kids, on a train to, let's say, uh, Detroit. Okay. He would go back to the hotel, pick up his wife. They would got, get on the next train to go to Detroit. And then the later train, Carrie, and then he'd like write a letter to Carrie and be like, here's tickets to get on this train. And then Carrie and the two youngest would get on the next train to go to Detroit. They all stay at different hotels or ho- rented houses or whatnot. You're right. The most organized man in the world. Like you could, I can clearly, oh. Sorry. And there was so many letters written between Carrie being like, are my kids okay? Where are they staying? And Holmes would write letters back, lying to her, even when they were in the same fucking city. He has to have a personal assistant or a secretary or <laughs> administrative assistant or something. It's wild, right? He was basically traveling all of autumn, early winter mm-hmm. with his new wife and these six people. And then he just has a wife and kid back in Chicago. Just living their lives without him. So that makes me believe that he, she knew. Yeah. And she was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck off. Did uh, he ever see his wife and child in Chicago? Yes. Or it was but... like, here's my packet of money for this month and don't ask any questions. I'm sure that was a big part of it. Absolutely. Because hmm. when, so if we rewind to the drugstore in the castle in Chicago... Holmes would hire, obviously, attractive women to work there, as I, the, the women he right. murdered were at least attractive enough for him to be interested, you know? 
So his wife, anytime she was there, got very upset when he spent too much time with them. As she should be. As she should be. So I'm sure she knew that he was sleeping around and, like, not, you know. Mm -hmm. And he obviously wasn't home all the time because he was out with people late at night or out (laughs) carrying business and doing shady shit. So I feel like either he's on Adderall and isn't sleeping at all and just is awake for days on end. Hear me out. H.H. Holmes has a twin brother. <laughs> or or they're triplets. And he's able to do all of this because they are all three one person. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't put it past anybody. <laughs> that could very well be. That is be. the only way somebody could be this organized <laughs> without a secretary. Well, we're going to take a quick break before we get into some hauntings mm-hmm. and the... Uh, arrest and such of homes so go on a date to a fair that's very old school sounds lovely it does (laughs) make sure your food and drinks don't have chloroform in them smart and don't let a man string you along to six different cities with false promises damn men or i shouldn't say don't let men don't let men do that to you but men don't do that to people fair Don't string people along to six different cities with false promises. Two takeaways. Women don't trust men. Men don't be assholes. (laughs) Period. (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay, let's get into Holmes's demise, pretty much. <laughs> On July 15th, 1895, the Chicago police, with the press who had free reign, finally took it upon themselves to check out the castle. Okay. Through the month of July, they found hidden women's clothes, bones, and other odds and ends in the basement third floor stove and buried near the castle so this is where things get the investigation has really ramped up at this point and the only reason the chicago police even did this is because philadelphia was like hey we arrested this guy who has a million ties back to chicago you should probably be taking a look into all this bullshit he's been doing. Probably check him out. Chicago's like, eh, fine, I guess we will, after years and years and years of this. If we have to. Right. But they did find a... And again, it's 1800, so they couldn't quite tell you if it was human bone or not. Mm. But they did find bones in... He just ate a lot of chickens. Uh, he loves that KFC bucket. Like... Who doesn't? <laughs> So during this time, Toronto positively claimed Holmes murdered Alice and Nellie. And everyone and anyone who knew Holmes was interviewed by the police and press. Even Holmes's first wife and child were tracked down for interviews. So this is literally like a nationwide event at this point. Which is wild. In the 1800s, it's like, there's no TV. There's no, you know, so it's like... 
every newspaper knows at least parts of the story. And I don't think that happened very often back then. This is grade A entertainment for the yes. time. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you can't ask for better uh, gossip amongst Ooh. towns. There were many people claiming their loved ones who had disappeared died at the hands of homes. So that's another big problem. Mm. So it's the World's Fair in Chicago. 27 million people, over 27 million people attended the Chicago World's Fair. That's a lot. So no wonder, again, like you said, there's no tracking devices on people's phones yet. So there's, hey, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to go to the World's Fair. I'll be back when I get back. Mm-hmm. All right. They disappear. Who's to say who ran away and who was murdered? Right. Like, there's no way to tell if, like, <laughs> I hate my life, I'm going to run away, and I'm going to claim I'm going to Chicago World's Fair, but actually I peaced out. Or they accidentally died, or they didn't have have enough money to return home, mm-hmm. or they were murdered, whatever the case may be. But anytime someone disappeared... Holmes was being blamed for their disappearance. I understand why. What a great scapegoat. But a perfect scapegoat. Holmes was offered all kinds of money by the press to confess, and eventually he did, but of course there was contradictory accounts to everything he said. Not just how many people he killed, who he killed, but where they were if they were alive how he killed them like it's just they're probably not even lies he just can't remember at this point because he's been so many places with so many people he can't remember or he just doesn't care or again like serial killers there are those serial killers who love the spotlight so they'll say do anything to continue Mm, the press yeah to play the game perfect way of putting it no one will truly know what urged Holmes to kill. But I was just saying earlier, a lot of people do think it was for financial gain. Mm. Others say if there are murders we know of, but still not locate their bodies, who's to say there aren't hundreds more? So the only murder Holmes was convicted of was of Benjamin Peitzel. That's wild. That's it. Not his, not Ben's daughters or son, not anybody else. Like Ben was the only person he was convicted of murdering. Hmm. I mean, that's another thing for serial killers. Like, uh, what's his face? Ted Bundy was arrested for like traffic violation. So yeah, I mean, he obviously was convicted for more than one murder, but they got him on something. They got Al Capone on. Tax evasion. Yeah. They're, they're getting homes on fraud. So if you're going to murder people, be an upstanding citizen in all other aspects of your life. We have the answers for you to succeed in life. You just have to listen to us. Yep. <laughs> if you're Call going me. to murder, <laughs> don't do other shady shit. Yeah. <laughs> you get to pick one thing to break the law with. <laughs> yes. Holmes's last words were, quote, Gentlemen, I have very few words to say, 
In fact, I would make no remarks at this time were it not for the feeling that if I did not speak it, I would imply that I acquiesced in my execution. Those are some bougie last words. Yes. (laughs) I only wish to say that the extent of the wrongdoing I am guilty of in taking human life is the killing of two women. They died by my hands as the result of criminal operations. I also wish to state, however, so that there will be no misunderstanding hereafter, that I am not guilty of taking the lives of any of the Peitzel family, either the three children or their father, Benjamin F. Peitzel, for whose death I am now being hanged. I have never committed murder. That is all I have to say. First of all, that's not a short speech, Holmes. <laughs> Second of all, he just basically confessed to, I think he's confessing to the abortion that he gave mm. and uh, Julia passing away. Um, so he's saying that, like, that's not murder, that she just happened to die from something that's illegal, technically. But, but... Yeah. You're no. already being hanged, so I don't understand this, like... Give it up, Holmes. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> Give it up. After his speech, he prayed, and then he was hanged. So the known victims of Holmes, officially, mm-hmm. are Ben Peitzel, his son Howard Peitzel, and his two daughters, Alice and Nellie Peitzel. Okay. Who all were murdered in 1894 suspected victims and people that were like pretty sure he had a hand in are Julia and Pearl Connor, the two that Holmes said he gave an abortion to. Emmeline Sigrand, the woman he had an affair with and who was going to go home for Christmas but never went home. Mm -hmm. And then Minnie and Nanny Williams. That's it? That's it. Now... Here's a list of possible victims. Basically, these are possible victims from either family members being like, they disappeared while in Chicago. They knew homes Mm. in one way or another. They, you know, either worked for his company or worked in the same building or whatever the case may be. But possible victims are Emily Von Tessel, Kitty Kelly, Harry Walker, George Thomas, John Elizabeth Dubruel, Mrs. Gilbert, Harry Graham, Mr. Beck, Mr. Clark, Mabel Barrett, Kate Gorky and her daughter, Jesse Mary Brunswiger, Mary Stevenson, R.B. Phillips, Peter Verrett, Miss Lee, Mary Harricamp, Carrie Sanford, Robert Leacock, Anna Betts, and honestly, the list goes on and on and on. I am happy that, uh, well, I'm not happy that they're murdered, but um, that he's not discriminating and it's just women. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed some men on that list, so it's it's nice of him to round out that group. Exactly. Men, women, and children. Yeah, he's uh, spreading the horror Talk amongst... about diversity and inclusion. <laughs> In 1800s. We love it. What a stand-up guy. We're going to get into some kind of paranormal stuff here. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Holmes curse? No, tell me. Okay, so after Holmes was hanged, and I didn't mention some of these people because, again, there are so many details revolving this story, so if you want to know more about how these people fit in Holmes's life, definitely read the book or watch a documentary and stuff, but 
Henry Roger, a man Holmes lied about killing. So he was one of the 27, but then they looked and he was actually still alive. He died three months after Holmes was hanged from gallbladder cancer. Hmm. The superintendent of the jail Holmes was at shot himself at work months later. Two fires broke out on the same day in buildings that he used to run businesses in. One from a lumber company, and the other was uh, the life insurance company that he used for Ben's life insurance, who had a lawsuit out against him. Father McPack, Holmes' spiritual advisor, was murdered or died from kidney failure at 30, causing him to, like, fall. Wow. Kate Durkee, a woman Holmes had dealings with, died suddenly of heart disease. Thomas Faye had typhoid typhoid fever the summer after Holmes was hanged. Detective Crawford died. A juror died from suicide. Like, tons of people. That is some bad energy. Right? (laughs) Whether they had lawsuits out against him, whether, you know, they had some sort of dealings with him and they all had either diseases or died from suicide or whatever the case may be Jeez, that's a curse absolutely holmes wasn't saying a prayer after he was hanged he was cursing people yeah he was making some other deal <laughs> okay now for the castle ghosts okay the murder castle ghosts. apparently holmes wrote a letter to a man who ran a business out of the castle asking if he saw any ghosts specifically the Williams sisters. Mm. So once Holmes had left Chicago and he sold his castle to people, different retailers, mm-hmm. he would like write back and be like, hey, see any ghosts? That's weird. It is weird. <laughs> maybe he had a dream or maybe he saw them and was curious if other people saw them. Hmm. But it also, you know, did the Williams sisters die in the castle then? They must have. Right. On the day he was hanged, a group of people stood outside the castle, wondering if his ghost would immediately appear in his old home and place of business. That's incredible. Which I think is amazing. That they don't have anything better to do than to just stand out and hope that there's a ghost of this asshole? Yep. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. What a great day. We're going to head on over to Anglewood, Chicago, stand outside. Hopefully it's a nice day outside. And, fingers crossed, his ghost will appear. Is that more or less exciting than waving goodbye to people on big ships? I'd say it's a little more exciting. Okay. Some people were always seeing ghosts at the castle. So much so, they moved to another part of town. Mm. People working in the castle saw ghosts. No one could tell, could say who they saw or what they saw but it literally caused people to leave because <laughs> i'm like i don't want to live here well those are not friendly ghosts I see. <laughs> i'd be pissed yeah no one knows i'm dead my Revenge. body's gone yeah today a chicago post office stands in its place Oof. no apparitions have surfaced but the feeling of being watched is very prevalent in the post office. Would not work there. There's also been accounts of voices. 100% would not work there. <laughs> like, I think one of the voices that people have heard like is like a singing girl. 
and people believe oh, it's poor Pearl. Yeah. So I, there's also claims that parts of the original castle still stand in the like in the basement of the mm-hmm. post office. So maybe that's why there's ghosts. You know, they're still holding on to parts of the structure. Yeah, and if they died in the basement. Yeah, or were incinerated down there. Right. Who's to say? I mean, I've definitely felt the feeling of being watched before, and it's not necessarily a fun feeling. <laughs> you mean you don't like that? No, <laughs> not when a living person does it. Not when a dead person does it. Like, yeah, I don't need to be watched. Creepy. Avert your eyes. You can be in the room, just like. Go over there Keep and do your, your thing. Keep your eyeballs to yourself, yes. please. <laughs> now, there's also, I mean, again, like I was saying, homes had apartments and businesses all over Chicago and mm-hmm. was constantly bouncing back and forth between them. So there's one other site that's, like, known for ghost activity. Okay. And it's where his glass bending factory once stood. Ooh. Which, like I was saying is suspected as a body dump for homes. Today, it's in the Bucktown neighborhood, and it's in a dead-end street. So the location itself is kind of creepy. Nobody likes dead ends. No. There have been a handful of shadow people appear in photos in that area. Okay. Some have seen an apparition of a woman. Homes had businesses and apartments over there as well so not just the castle not just this area this dead end street but literally it could be any place that he was living or working could mm. be a ghost so if you see a ghost it could be homes related interesting ask him you're if right you see a ghost say hey who did this are you one of those homies? <laughs> Make those t-shirts. Oh my god. Haunted home times. Hanging with my homies. Have you experienced any ghost activity? Yes. I haven't seen a ghost. But, um, so where I went to college, I stayed in a sorority house. Mm-hmm. And um, we had dormers. For those of you that aren't familiar, it's like picture orphan annie's orphanage where all the beds are in the same room um so we all slept together there and um we called her pi fi polly and she lived in the house and hung out with us and she would sit on my bed every night like so the rule in the pi fi house was you say good morning to polly and you say good night to polly when you go to bed and you didn't have any problems. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd cuddle up on my bed, which it was super weird. Because you could um, feel it, like, if a dog or a, right, an right. animal crawls, in, like, and nestles into the nook of right. your legs. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she did. It wasn't quite the spooning ghost, like, in your previous <laughs> episode. But, like, you could tell she was there. Right. And then you say goodnight. There's this one girl, I'll call her Susie for the sake of the podcast, <laughs> that Polly did not like. So her room frequently, her glasses of water got tipped over. Damn. And there was even an instance where a book got thrown at her head. God. Like, and I don't know if she ducked or if Polly was making a statement yeah, and it yeah. just hit the wall right next to her face. <laughs> but 
her and Polly were not friends. Flying objects is not cute. I'm not about that. No. (laughs) So, although I've never had any beef with Polly, um, you definitely could tell who she did or did not like. Right, 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 right. Do you miss living with a ghost? Um, not... I don't know if miss is the right word, but... It... Sometimes I do think about, like, oh, I wonder how Polly's doing. Yeah, yeah, Um, Now, if I ever actually saw Polly, I probably would be scared shitless and would never <laughs> go back. Um, but I never felt bad energy from her. Right, right, right. Um, it was always very positive. And some of the other girls in the house have had other experiences. Like, one claims that she got her in the back of the Snapchat as, like, a shadow person. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and, like, you can kind of make out the face in that image. Um, or another one, like, her door would open and close all the time with nobody there, no windows open, so there's no draft. Right. Um, and it's an older house. The, the theory is that Polly was one of the sorority sorority girls and was asleep in the dormers, Mm -hmm. and there was a flight of stairs that came up and, like, opened to the, the top floor. Gotcha. And her boyfriend was mad at her and Mm -hmm. threw her out of the third floor and killed her and that's kind of the theory is that she's kind of our protecting presence right um but there's no confirmation on that anywhere so it's definitely interesting who needs a dog when you have a ghost you're right (laughs) she'll protect you you don't have to pick up after them don't have to feed them snacks right and they got your back you're right well hannah thank you for being here thank you so much for having (laughs) me like i said i'm honored that is a wrap on the first season of haunted hometowns (sighs) the crowd goes wild (laughs) (laughs) you can follow haunted hometowns on instagram and twitter for upcoming news like which city i'll be covering next road trip road trip yes exactly Subscribe, rate, and share the podcast to help me keep this going because honestly, it truly helps. Like when you rate and subscribe and stuff, it shows your podcast will show up more on like you might like sections of, you know, streaming services. But and don't forget to send me your ghost experiences at haunted at haunted hometowns podcast at gmail.com. Hannah, where can they find you and what you're up to? Well, um, I lead a super exciting life. <laughs> Not that exciting. Um, but you're welcome to find me on Instagram as Han Hacksmith. Um, and on Twitter, I am what the Hacksmith. And it's hack like how Blake spells it. <laughs> Tune in for the next season. So I'll be taking a month off, and the next season will start August 6th. Yay! But, again, make sure you're on, you're following on social media, because I will post, I don't know, either hints or updates for ideas or whatever the case may be for this month. T-shirts. And, yeah, who's to say when merch will start coming? Stickers. So, <laughs> definitely want to stay tuned for that. Because everyone loves a ghost story. Get your ghost in a box here. (laughs) What? uh, A jack-in-the-box, but it's a ghost. It's just an empty box. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. It's like pet rock cages. Yes. But your pet ghost. Pet ghost. That is genius. Thank you. I've got good <laughs> ideas sometimes. <laughs> I got some of this information from an article by Rebecca Frost, Wikipedia, the book H.H. Holmes, How a Murderer Became a Devil by Adam Seltzer, and the artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. And the amazing theme song is by the one and only Ty Air. Follow him on Instagram at 4boysliketme, that's F-O-R, boys like me.